Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And we are in the midst of a study on how to discern the voice of God. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about faith, the element faith plays in that. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great. Um, I appreciate the fact that we're having uh, six sessions where we're talking about um, how to discern if God is speaking, how do we know it and how do we respond and react? And uh, the importance of faith is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we, we met Richard Blackaby a couple of weeks ago and he'll be with us next week. So uh, great to have an author like uh, Richard Blackaby as part of, uh, of this study. But it's great to have Curtis Hans with us today as well. It is. Curtis is the editor of our shared commentary, what we call our shared commentary that appears in all the leader guides. And Curtis, we are uh, really thankful that you had some time to meet with us for, for this podcast. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of this. What we're looking at today is this idea that discerning and obeying God's voice is going to call for faith. Because calls in particular calls for faith in him. So since we're talking about faith, we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which is a strong chapter all about faith. So, Lynn, before we get into the passage, uh, can we talk a little bit about what faith is and maybe some misconceptions that people have about faith? So we, we hear people talking about taking a leap of faith. By faith, they make decisions that are risky. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking at, at you guys on my uh, computer screen and uh, I'm not seeing guys that jump out of airplanes. Is that accurate? Uh, we probably aren't taking those kinds of leaps of faith. Well, there's a difference between jumping out of an airplane and jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. That's true. That's so true. I, I would probably <laughs> do the latter, uh, but okay. I do not have near that kind of faith that some people talk about just to jump without one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right, Chris. Uh, faith is a is a spiritual or religious word. Let me put it that way. But it's also a word that is so in, in the common everyday vernacular of people. But because of that, I do think it's misused a lot. The TV evangelists, I think, sometimes will abuse the idea of what it means to have faith, positive thinking. Um, you just believe hard enough. You got to have enough faith. There was several years ago, a, a friend of mine actually worked at Lifeway. I, he had talked about a particular book called The Secret. It's a, uh, and he had heard about the book from Oprah, you know, that great theologian, Oprah. Uh, and, you know, she, she has these real questionable theology. Uh, but she was talking about this wonderful book called The Secret. And so I picked it up to read it because I knew it wasn't. I'd heard enough about it that it wasn't biblical. And it takes positive thinking to the nth degree. The idea that the secret is within you is the power to make things happen. And so it's almost a little bit of that concept of faith. You believe hard enough, it's yours. Now, I'm not making this up. When you come to the end of the book and you really, the way they're talking, it's almost like saying you can change anything in the universe anything. That's the secret. It's, it's within you, that power to think it, to by the faith to have it happen. And the logic of that is just is lost on me because, well, Chris, Curtis, if the three of us exercise that like the book talks about, well, what if the power that I want to see happen is just the complete opposite of what you want happened? 
you know, who wins? And it's really making ourselves God by just believing hard enough that anything can happen. And I mentioned that because unfortunately that's been a popular book and it gives some people an idea of that's what faith is so far from biblical faith. Uh, and a, in a different vein, there's um, I'm sure a lot of people in our culture who have the Archie Bunker uh, uh, definition and explanation of faith. So I'm dating myself, but Archie Bunker said faith is believing something that no one in their right mind would believe. <laughs> that's uh, we often talk about blind faith. That, that's the Archie Bunker kind of thing, um, or, or the the leap of faith. But there's a difference between leaping off a cliff when you know nothing, know nothing of what's below it and a child leaping into a parent's arms who has repeatedly demonstrated love for the child and trustworthiness to the child. Uh, faith isn't, isn't blind. It's not baseless. It's based upon a history with God. It's based upon God's trustworthiness, his, uh, his ability. Uh, so it, it's not a, a blind or, or a, uh, just a jumping off into something. There is a basis for faith. It's well said, Curtis, because our faith is only as good as what we're basing it on. You know, that and, and here the, this, the point is it's God that I'm trusting him because of his because of who he is. And he calls when he says something because it's God who said it. I can believe it. That's what Hebrews 11 is, wants us to really, I think, grasp and hold on to. Uh, faith is really going to lead us to believe in God and rely upon God. Let me read the, verse, the first three verses of Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. For by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. So he begins with, this is what faith is. It is the uh, reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So that gives us some insights into uh, faith. Um, it's not always um tangible we can't always show or describe in physical form uh, what we're talking about uh, when we talk about hope or proof of what is not seen uh, that that gives us an indicator of uh, what the author is talking about and as he describes what faith is this it's not trust that something that we hope is true it's trust that we know it's true there's a significant difference in that. And again, I'm using hope the way the world uses that kind of, if I hope, I really hope this is what's going to happen. And the point is with the verse three, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. It, it, it's not faith in some sort of result. Of, you know, I, I know if I send this check in the, to the TV preacher that I'm going to get whatever it is, or, or the Oprah, if you believe hard enough, you're going to get the results you're looking for. Uh, it, it's the, it, it's faith in God. It's the faith that he is the one who by his word is in control. 
of the world that we've seen. And, and, and no, we don't see control with our eyes. We don't see trustworthiness. We don't see these characteristics of God. Um, and we don't see necessarily his movement. Uh, Jesus talked about, uh, you don't see the wind moving here and there. You don't see the spirit moving, but we trust that which we can't see because we see the results of it. We've experienced the results of it. Curtis, that's a, that's a good point to bring out. Um, you mentioned in verse three about creation, because creation and is one of those topics that people want to pit us against each other. They want to say, well, you have faith. I have science. As though faith and science are opposed to each other. And that that's not true at all. Uh, I would argue their faith is in, in their their concept of science, their, their, their preconceived ideas of science. My faith, I, I could say is in science. Look, I should say, Curtis, as you talk about the results, but it still goes back to the God who is behind the science. So I, I look at the created world around me, and to me, it points to a God. It points to a God who created. So when I read a verse three like that, by faith, we understand the, the word, world was created by the word of God. I go, yeah, yeah, I, I see that. It came to be. He spoke it into existence um, with things that are not visible. Um, so I, so that for some reason, I don't know that I've ever read verse three and had the insight or um, appreciated the significance of making that kind of statement, even in the world that we live in. We, we, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that he created all that there is by his word. And we believe it's by faith. Um, we, we, we can't necessarily prove it um, in uh, the context of a scientific method, kind of what you have described. And maybe sometimes we go, we try too hard to prove things that we need to take by faith. That sounds like a good segue into the, to the next section. Yeah, we can talk about, I mean, it's a good conversation about faith, but now let's bring it down to where we really live. It's one thing to have faith, but what do we do with it? Faith really calls us to respond. Faith calls us to respond with obedience. Let's pick up at verse four. We'll pick up about uh, this example he uses about Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. And by faith, Enoch was taken away and so did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleases God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, Curtis, give us the background on uh, Cain and Abel and Enoch. So, Cain and Abel, we uh, find in, in Genesis chapter 4, the, the children of, of uh, Adam and Eve. And the Bible tells us that Cain uh, worked the land and gathered produce and uh, brought as an offering to God, and that Abel was a, uh, a keeper of flocks, and that he brought some of the firstborn of his flocks as an offering to God, and God accepted the uh, 
uh, offering of Abel, but he did not accept the offering of Cain, and Cain then became uh, jealous and became angry and and uh, eventually uh, slew his brother uh, over out of his anger. And uh, the Bible talks about uh, Enoch, doesn't give us a great deal of information about him other than uh, the fact that he walked with God and uh, he was taken up that he didn't die. Uh, the, the story goes that the preacher said that uh, God and Enoch, Enoch were uh, walking together one day and God said, Enoch, you're closer to my place than yours. Why don't you just come home with me? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. So what was the, why, why, I know the Bible doesn't specifically tell us why one brother's offering was accepted and the other was not, um, but take a moment to talk about what some of the uh, thoughts are about why um, Abel's um, offering was not accepted. The uh, excuse me, Cain's. The author suggests that that uh, many people think it was because uh, Abel's offering involved the sacrifice of blood, and and uh, without blood there is no forgiveness of sin, and that therefore uh, the difference was that. Uh, Abel offered a blood sacrifice. Cain just offered produce. Uh, but he also points out that, that produce is a, one of the acceptable offerings in the Old Testament. So that doesn't seem to be likely. Uh, it also, uh, if you go back and read the Genesis account, the Bible tells us that Cain gave uh, an offering of some of the produce of the land, but Abel gave offering some of the firstborn of the flocks. Uh, so there seems to be a greater priority in what Abel offered than what Cain offered. Uh, but as the author points out, it really is the issue of the faith that was involved in the offering of Abel as opposed to the offering of Cain. Um, I love the um, what little we know about the story of Enoch that he walked with God. And um, that I hope is encouragement to those who are listening that um, that we have the opportunity because of our relationship with Jesus to to walk with God. His spirit is with us and in us and we walk with God. Um, we can have that intimacy of relationship um, and that this this man, for no other reason than because he walked with God, is listed as one of the, the heroes of faith. Yeah, the element we see both with. The Cain and Abel story with Enoch is it's the element of faith that makes the difference. Uh, you know, Curtis, as you were pointing out with Cain and Abel, although we don't know the specifics about what was different, they both brought an offering uh, different ways. But here's an idea. They're both bringing an offering. But what was the key difference? It's faith. It's not the actions that so much make the difference. It's our faith. Uh, it's, you know, because there's a lot of people that give money to the church. They feel like they're, they're, uh, they're giving that action makes them pleasing to God. No, it's faith. Uh, some people think by, because they sacrifice by, uh, they invest their Sunday mornings in working with preschoolers. <laughs> what an investment they're making. No, it's the faith we live by that makes the difference. Not so much the outward, just actions that we do that make us look religious. 
a strong verse, verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So um, we, we've, we've, We've talked about the importance of faith and what faith is, um, but this response of faith uh, is essential. It is critical uh, in in our relationship with God. If we want to please God, uh, faith has to be a part um, of the equation. And um, I I just get the feeling that. Um, in a, a lot of people's lives and in, in the church, oftentimes we, uh, we have a, um, we figured things out. We know how we're going to do it. We know how much money's coming in. We know what, how to budget. And we don't always live by faith. Um, trusting God uh, to, and, and I think sometimes we miss some of the benefits uh, because um without faith that it's impossible to please God. Well, to state that in the negative way, the positive way is, you know, we please God with our faith. Romans 14 uh, verse 23 says, uh, and anything done apart from faith is sin. So our actions need to be grounded through and through with our, by our faith in God, our trust in him, our obedience to him. It's gotta, it's gotta be faith. Ephesians 2, 8 says that even the faith that, is required for salvation is not our own faith, but it's the gift of God. Jesus talked about having the faith, the size of a mustard seed would move mountains. That suggests that it's not the size of our faith, but it's the source of the faith. It's the faith that comes from God. Um, God isn't looking for greater faith. He's looking for us to place our faith in him. The, the faith that uh, that comes from God and trust God is the faith that pleases God. And so long as we're looking at our actions and our abilities and, and our, our willingness to take risk or what have you, uh, that's not the, the kind of faith that pleases God. It's the faith that recognizes that even that faith comes from him and is to go back to him. So we've been talking about how to discern the voice of God. And to keep that in perspective, we're talking about the importance of faith in that, this idea that our faith is to discern and obey his voice is going to call for faith, faith in him. So faith is going to stay focused on God's word. It's going to stay focused on God's promises. Let me take us to verse 13. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, for they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Now, if they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had the opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So, um, I work... Um the content that I develop is for senior adults. And um, it seems to me that they are a little more attuned uh, to this idea of a heavenly home and longing for it. It's, it's, it's closer somehow and uh, more inviting. Uh, as one of those who qualifies as a senior adult, uh, I would say that uh, it is more uh, on my mind than when I was younger. Not that I, uh, 
ever discounted it, but it is something that is a, a greater, occupies a greater place. I remember when I was a young pastor, I, I, I described um, how I thought about heaven by using a country music song by Joe Diffie. The song was <laughs> brought me up by the jukebox when I die. And the next line was, Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. And uh, I, 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 the jukebox part wasn't necessarily part of my, my life, but that, that idea of, you know, I'm glad, to, I'm glad to know that I have that, that assurance and that hope, but I ain't thinking about it much because I'm enjoying life and want to experience all of the fullness of life. And um, I think that's kind of a young man's play, but I think, and I think it does change over time. As young adults, it would be wise for us to be thinking in terms of heaven as well, because this life is so brief. It's so short compared to the eternity we have. This idea that from the Psalm 90, Lord, teach us to number our days. And because we have an example here, the writer of Hebrews 11 has given us several examples of people who have lived by faith. And then he reminds us, hey, they lived by faith. They were trusting God's promise, but they didn't necessarily see it in their lifetime. So there's some things in our own lives that we trust God for by faith, and we do see the answers, but not always. And that's the thing to remember is just because we don't see it in this lifetime, this life ain't all there is. And there is a full, rich, eternal life that waits for us that we're going to see all those promises. So one of the discussion questions that we ask um, in, in the senior adult resource is when have you had to rely on God in a season of uncertainty uh, in a moment when you didn't see the answers, you didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, so to have conversations about how have I practiced trusting God and having faith in him, even in times of uncertainty is a good way to get at this issue of, of exercising faith in our, in our walk with God. Richard Black can be said in the personal study guide, our faith can be tested by how long we're prepared to wait for God's answer. And of course, in Hebrews 11, there we have the example of Abraham. God told him he's going to be the father of a great nation, but he had to wait 25 years. And I think for so many of us, we pray, ask God for something, and he doesn't answer right away, and we give up. Yeah, we, we want it now or next week. And if it goes beyond that, uh, it seems like a long time, but 25 years, that's, that's a, that is a long time. When I was about 20 years old, my twin sister uh, walked away from the church, walked away from everything. And uh, my parents never stopped praying for my sister. And I, I prayed for her too, but my parents certainly did. For 20 years, they prayed for her. And I mean, she came back full force and very active in the church and it married a deacon and everything. But uh, I, I think about this verse that my parents never gave up. They had faith that God was going to respond and they're prayed according to that faith. Uh, and that's, that's always been an encouragement for me as I pray for other people. Don't give up praying by faith. Trust what God said in his word, that he desires all people to become saved and come, and come to a knowledge of the truth. Trust and pray. And just by faith, just leave it in his hands. There is uh, also that word going back to, to Abel. Not only do we sometimes not see the result of faith during our lifetime, but the word of Abel is that his faith still speaks today, even though he's dead. 
so sometimes we don't see the fulfillment till after our death, uh, but sometimes that that faith lives on even when we're no longer living to um, to be exercising that faith. That faith still continues to bear witness uh, to those to, to others to those around us. So we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, we trust God. We have found Him faithful. And so we, we, we trust him when we don't know the answers, when we can't see uh, what's coming, when there's times of uncertainty. We trust him for things like heaven, things that we can't see. Um, uh, a good conversation to have this week would be uh, to ask a question around what helps you to remain faithful while you're waiting for God to fulfill a promise. Uh, Lynn, you're story about your sister was a great story of of people trusting God and believing that he would hear their prayers and would respond and then um, to see God answer that prayer is an amazing thing so that that would be a great testimony and a great time to um, have a conversation about those kind of things yeah and thanks Chris for bringing us back to Abel has says how his faith still lives on because I realized my parents are gone but their faith still lives on in the sense of how it impacts me today and how I pray, even praying for my own kids. And, and those that you encourage uh, when they have family members that, that uh, have strayed and, and you encourage them with your own testimony, that faith of your parents uh, continues not only in your own life, but in the, the encouragement that it gives to others. I think I think all of these things will help people um, in our groups to have these kind of conversations about uh, the importance of faith and and the evidence of faith and seeing the faith of others. All of those, uh, I think, can help us with with these issues in our lives. I hope uh, as, as y'all talk about this idea of how we discern the voice of God, talk about the element of faith in that as you look at Hebrews 11. So we really do hope you have a great Bible study and discussion this week. <music>